Now, the question is, if God does have a plan, and it's best, how can we know it? Can we know that we are living in sync with God's plan for our lives? And I'm going to say yes. We're going to look at Proverbs today to see exactly, really, some, some very specific details of our lives that we can implement and say, yes, we are walking in sync with God's plan for our lives. Uh, we're starting a new series today going through Psalms and Proverbs, today in Proverbs, uh, next week in Psalms, and we're going to kind of bounce between through the summer, and here's why we're doing it. Uh, You saw the title of the series, Knowing the Heart of God. The best thing I can do for you as a pastor is help God get bigger in your life. A.W. Tozer, I love this quote. He says, what comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And it's true. What comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And I'm hoping that this summer, through this series, God will get bigger. That we will get a better view of who God actually is. Not who we want him to be or or how we imagine him to be, but how he actually is. And we're going to see the heart of God. Now, the book of Psalms uh, has been used in worship for 3,000 years. Okay, it's a neat, unique book. Uh, Psalms actually means songs. And so uh, they were used for thousands of years, uh, in worship of God. And so when we look at the Psalms, we see really God's heart coming out. Proverbs is really a book of wisdom. Uh, And it also shows the heart of God. It shows the heart and the mind of God. And in it, you see God desires for his people to live wisely, which is for their good. And the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. We see that in Proverbs. And so as we put these two books together, we get to know the heart of God and what God wants to do for us and in and through us. And so again, the question for today, how do we live in sync with God's purpose for our life? Now, I told you Jeremiah 29:11 isn't for you, but Ephesians 2:10 is. It says for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we would follow. That word workmanship means masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. God created you on purpose, with a purpose, unique, wonderful. Now, not sin. A lot of times people will go, oh, God made me this way, and use that to justify sin in their lives. This is not what it's talking about. But your personality, your desires, your gifting, your abilities is unique. You are God's masterpiece, and he has good things for you to do that he prepared beforehand. So, you know, we heard it up here, these two going off to to college or who knows what. God has some things prepared for them that they would walk in that because we are his workmanship. So turn to our passage for today, Proverbs chapter 3. This is probably the most famous uh, proverb in all of the Bible. And we're going to start there because it's so good. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And if you don't have these two verses memorized, you should. Maybe that's something for you to do this week. I memorized it to a song. Maybe I'll sing it to you sometime later. Um, But it's helpful, you know, memorizing to music. Uh, As you turn to Proverbs 3, I want to point this out. This is uh, on your seat or on a seat next to you, and and there's more at the table back there if you want one. Um, This is a a reading list. We're going to read through Proverbs and Psalms this summer. Um, Proverbs, this is a really good practice. You read the proverb that correlates to the day. So June 1st, read Proverbs 1. June 2nd, read Proverbs 2. And then read the psalm. Psalms doesn't lay out quite that easy, uh, but read the psalm that's on here. If you do this, then through the summer, you'll read through the Proverbs three times and the book of Psalms once, which is awesome. 
as you read through the book of Proverbs, you see things repeated over and over. And if you internalize what you learn there, your life will be better. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. There it is. Uh, this uh, you says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is unique because this is a singular you. A lot of times the Bible says you, and it means y'all or all y'all, however you Texans say it. Um, <laughs> Alabamans, whatever. Um, y'all. But here, this is a you. God is speaking to you as an individual. It's the same in Ephesians 2.10, right? You are his workmanship. You specifically. We are also, but you are. And God has a plan for you. And he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, not y'all's heart, your heart. Trust in the Lord. Do you want to know God's plan for your life? Do you want to know you're walking in sync with him? Here's where it starts. Trust in the Lord. This is where salvation begins. So here's the other question. Does God have a plan for everybody? Well, no, not really. As you read through scripture, you see God has a plan for those who are his. God has a plan for his people, his chosen ones, his kids, which is anybody who has placed their faith in Jesus as Lord. That's where it starts. So it's kind of like, here's a path that God has for your life, and it's going to wind, it's going to go up, it's going to go down, but there's a gate. And you've got to go through the gate to even get on the path. The gate is Jesus Christ. Believing that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose from the dead, and trusting your life to him. You can't do anything until you do that. That's where it starts. But it begins with this trust. Now, this trust... It begins, you know, salvation begins with trust, but then we walk in trust. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I, I quoted 2, 10. 2, 8, and 9, the ones that come before it. Uh, basically, it looks, uh, we place our faith in Jesus, and then we walk in faith, and he works it out. For by grace, it says, you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. Then Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. So we are born into salvation through faith, and then we walk by faith, trust in the Lord. So three reasons why God is worthy of your faith, worthy of your trust. Colossians 1.15-17 says, he is the image of the invisible God. The he here in this verse is Jesus. So as you study scripture, you'll see Jesus is God. Jesus is called God. So here, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. What do we learn about God in that? God, in Jesus, created everything with the word, spoke. Go back to Genesis 1. God holds all things together. So all these natural laws that we place our faith in, God made those. Jesus is currently holding everything together. So science or God, God. You know, all the, uh, sci where science, all that stuff began, it began with Christians. Because it was Christians who looked and said, God is logical, and let's figure out this world that he has made. And so there's no... There shouldn't be any disagreement with God and science, but when they disagree, guess what? Go with God, because science is proven wrong day after day. It's always changing, right? Is coffee good for me? I don't know. 
It wasn't yesterday. Maybe it will be tomorrow. It's always changing. But God's word has never been proven false. But what do we see here? So God created everything, holds it all together. God is all-powerful. Why can we trust God? Because he is all-powerful. What's the theological term for that? Omnipotent. God is omnipotent, all-powerful, nothing out of his control. We see that there in the Colossians verse and throughout Scripture. Nothing is outside of God's control. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Number two, that's the first reason we can trust God, place our faith in him. Number two, God is all-knowing. God is all-knowing. The theological term for that is omniscient. If God was all-powerful but not all-knowing, he wouldn't be God. Look at 1 John 3.20. God is greater than our heart and knows everything. Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. God is all-knowing. Why can we trust him? He's all-powerful and he's all-knowing. So he knows the best way and he has the power to do something about it. How often do we act as though God doesn't know what's happening? I mean, honestly, a lot of times we think God is surprised. You know, the, the way an election turns out, oh no, what's God going to do now? He knew, he planned, he's got it all under control. I heard, uh, unfortunately, uh, a rumor or whatever in Christian circles about this last election that God's plan was for Trump to be elected, but he wasn't, so people thwarted God's plan. Well, guess what? That's not the God of the Bible. <laughs> the God of the Bible is all-powerful and all-knowing, so he knows what's best, and he can do what's best. But not just that. If that was it, that'd be fine. But number three, God is good. He's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and he's good. Psalm 107.1, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And we could go to many, many other verses that point to God is good. So put all those together, right? We've got omnipotent, omniscient, omni-good. I just made that one up. Um, they don't really have a word for that. But, but he's all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-good, so we can trust him. Are you going through something in your life? Guess what? He knows it. You have financial troubles? God knows it. You have kids that are struggling with their decisions? God knows. Right? God knows, and he cares deeply. He loves you more than you love you. He loves your kids more than you love your kids. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he's all-good. Psalm 46.10 Maybe you're familiar with this verse, but it says, be still and know that I am God. Uh, this is my version. Chill out and know that I am God. But that's what be still actually means. That word be still means relax. And the whole context in that psalm around that is, hey, you got all these things going on in life. You know, there's turmoil, there's storm. Relax, chill out. I'm God, you're not. I got this, right? And when life hits, that's where we can go. 
Life is tough. The Bible's clear. The Bible has nothing about, oh, everything's just going to be perfect for you in life. No, there's going to be trouble. In this life, he says, you will have trouble. But God has overcome the world. God is in control. So chill out. Chill out. Number one, that's our big thing as we look at this verse. How can you know that you're in sync with God's plan for your life? Trust him. Trust him. But that's not it. Number two, look back at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Second part, and do not lean on your own understanding. That's the second part of this. How can you know you're living in sync with God's plan for your life? Don't trust yourself. Trust God, not yourself. Lean on. Right, you ever lean on something? I mean, that's what that means. Lean, place all your weight on something. If I had a bench here, you know, it'd be sitting on that bench. I, I can believe that the bench is going to hold me, but sitting on it shows that I, I trust it'll hold me. It's the same with God and us. It says, trust God, but don't trust yourself. Lean on. Don't lean on yourself. What is the mantra of our culture today? You be you. Follow your heart. That sounds good, doesn't it? Do what makes you happy and follow your heart. That sounds like great loving advice. Now, I'm going to use a bad word right now. So kids, any kids in here? Just do this real quick. Okay, the word is stupid. Stupid. (laughs) You know, we we grew up, don't call anybody stupid. You can't call people stupid. Well, guess what? God can call people stupid. You shouldn't call people stupid. It's not nice. And the Bible says, it tells us not to call other people stupid. But God, he's all-knowing, and he can call people stupid. And so he does sometimes. Proverbs 28, 26, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. What does that proverb say? Whoever trusts in his own mind is a dummy, right? You trust yourself. The Bible says clearly, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it is the way of death. All these things, our culture, oh, it sounds good. It sounds loving. All, a lot of this stuff. But it's our opinions of things. It's what feels good, but it's not God's way. He says, don't trust yourself. Here's a quote from God. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. People think they're so smart. Have you ever heard this? I know the Bible says, but, boom, you just made a mistake. I know God says, but I know better. Really? (laughs) Don't trust your own heart. Now, here's the thing. When we place our faith in Jesus as Lord, we're saved. We have the Holy Spirit who indwells us, and then we enter a process of sanctification. It's a process where God changes us, and he changes our heart to become more like Jesus. And so as time goes on, our hearts should get better. They really should. We should love better. We should love more like God. Our hearts should get better, but we'll never fully arrive until we have our new bodies. When we are still in these bodies, we're still, we have sin, right? Sin is still in us, and we still have this propensity to sin. Here's what Jeremiah says, Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Do you hear that? Your heart will lie to you. There are things that you want that God doesn't want. There are things that you might feel are right. And guess what? 
if it's different from what God says, you're wrong. God, you. God's right, you're wrong. It's really that simple. Now, I've had a few tests recently of my own heart, driving mostly. Um, have you ever had this where you're driving the speed limit and somebody's like walking, they're like, slow down. And I'm like, I'm going the speed limit. There's a test of my heart. My heart is like, 25, shut up. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm the only one that does this. And, and I've, I have done that. I've shown them the speed limit and just kept driving, you know. That's, that's a wrong heart. <laughs> That, that, that feels good, right? It feels just, but it's not loving. So, so my heart, although I'm in process, my, and I've had other ones recently where it's like, zip it, just you know, ignore my heart because my heart's wrong. My heart is leading me astray. If you feel one thing, but God says another, trust God, not yourself. That simple. So with that, if you know what God's word says, stop going person to person to person or place to place to find somebody that will agree with you or somebody that will tell you what you want to believe. When God's word is clear, just go with that. Now here's three. How do you know that you're walking in sync with God's plan for your life? One, trust God. Two, don't trust yourself. Three, invite God into every situation. Look back at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Invite him into every situation. This is huge. Acknowledge, to know, or to confess. Do you realize that God cares about every single piece of your life? There is no secular and sacred, right? A lot of times we think God really cares about what I do on Sunday, but he doesn't care about how I drive, or he doesn't care about how I do work, or how I'm a student. What Everything is actually sacred. We can be worshiping at all times, not just when we're singing. And so there is no separation of secular and sacred, so we acknowledge God in every situation. Whatever it is, we invite him in. This is how you make good decisions. This is how you walk in line with his will. Where are you going to send your kids to school this next year? God should be part of that decision. Where are you going to go to college? Are you going to go to college? God should be part of that decision. Where are you going to work? Who are you going to date? Who are you going to marry? I mean, all these things. You know, some of these are big decisions. Some are little, but it says in all your ways, in the little things, just invite God to be part of that. You ever watch a sunset? Wow, it's a beautiful sun. It's one thing to look at the sunset and go, wow. It's another thing to look at the sunset and have something happen where you go, wow, God. You recognize him for what he's created. Or sitting out there looking at the mountains with the snow on them. Wow. But also then, wow, God. Or I was talking to Tyler, and they've got you know, a young baby. And he said, you know, you didn't understand, I didn't understand the love of God until I had a daughter. <laughs> it's true. And so you look at this little baby, and you go, wow. But then you go, wow, God. Invite God into everything you do. And he will make your path straight, is what it says. He will make your path straight. That is, he'll clear the way. He's got the plow going in front of you. He will show you where to go, what to do. Does that mean all the obstacles will be completely removed? No. He's not going to make life just easy for us, but he will direct our path. He will take us that way. And as we come against obstacles, if we're walking with him, he'll take us through those. 
over him, around him, whatever it is. Listen, knowing God's voice is not a formula. It's an intimate relationship. Let me say that again. Knowing God's voice is not a formula. It's an intimate relationship. I would love to be able to tell you, do A, B, and C, and then everything will work out fine. The problem is it's a relationship. And so this walking with God, you trust him, you don't trust yourself, and you invite him into everything, that's what we call abiding. And if you wonder what that is like, join the class coming this summer on how to abide. It's great. But this is how we live our life, abiding in Christ, going through every situation with him. A relationship where as we're in tune, he helps us make those decisions. And we're going to look more this summer as we look in Proverbs on how to make wise decisions. But here we include him in everything. And here's a hint. If you have a decision to make and you don't know which way to go, wait. Just wait. I mean, unless it has to be made right now. Wait. Act on what you know. Listen for what you don't know. And wait until you do know. And God will always lead you in the best direction. Right? God knows the best way for you to go in life. And he wants what's best for you. And so, ask him. Pray to him. Follow him. Here's another thing, though, with this following God's will. A lot of times, and this is my experience, and I've seen it a lot, is, is God will show a step or two. You know, he'll clear the path. But he's like, go here. And you, you take that step, and you're like, where's the next step? He's like, just wait. Just trust me in that step, and I'll show you the next one. You know, we want to see the whole path. We, we want to see everywhere that's going to, and look, and he's like, no, follow me one step at a time. This is one of those themes in scripture. You know, God uh, told Abraham, he said, leave the country and go to a place that I'll show you later. He, he wanted him just to start heading out. Which way do I go? Go east. <laughs> you know, for us, take a step and then wait for God to show the next step. And with that means, you take the step. So if you know what God says, obey. Obey. A lot of times, you know, people are like, oh, where should I go? What should I do? You know, I want God's will done in my life. It's like, well, you are being disobedient to some really clear things. Until you start obeying on these really clear things, you might not get the next step. Because you know what his word says. Follow. Obey. And he will then make your path straight. You remember what Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You know, this series, Knowing the Heart of God, I wanted to start here, because God's heart is for your good. You realize that all the commands in Scripture aren't because God just wants to be in control, although He is in control. They're for our good. They're for our flourishing. They're for our best. Jesus came that we would have abundant life. And so this, you know, following God's will, a lot of, we think it's like a mystery and we have to discover it. God's not hiding what He wants for you. He wants to show you. He wants to show us and lead us his way. And we do it by trusting him completely, not trusting our hearts, and inviting Jesus into every situation. Now, as we move to worship, I want to draw out back at the beginning. You know, we looked at trust in the Lord. Why can we trust him? Because he's all-powerful, omnipotent, all-knowing, omniscient, and all-good, omni-good. I want you to think about those three things. As we move to worship, dwell on who God is. Because when we dwell on who he is, we worship authentically. And then all of our things get a little bit smaller. 
We're going to take the Lord's Supper as we worship. We're going to do it during this next song. And let me encourage you, before you get up to take the Lord's Supper, just take a minute and pray. Take a minute to focus on God. Let Him reveal sin in your life and confess it. Let Him reveal anything into you that He needs to, that you're going to go deal with. But really also just focus on who He is. And then come and take the Lord's Supper. The way we do it here is you get up, you come and, and you grab it. It's still the COVID cup. Um, and so you got to peel, you got to get somebody with a fingernail and peel the thing back and get the cracker on the top and then the juice. But we do this because Jesus told us to. He said, do this in remembrance of me during the Last Supper. And so we do it. We take the bread. We remember Jesus' body broken on the cross for us. We drink the cup, remembering his blood spilled for us. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can have life. This whole finding God's will is even possible because Jesus went to the cross. And so we look back at the cross. We never stop looking at the cross. And so as we sing, let's take the Lord's Supper as we're ready. This is for believers. If you do not know Jesus as Lord, if you haven't taken that step through the gate, I'm going to be right up here. Come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to pray with you. And then you can take the Lord's Supper for the first time as a follower of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we love you. Um, God, I, I thank you that as we get to know you in your word and in experience, uh, we know you're good. God, you make it really easy to trust you because you are all-powerful, all-knowing, and good. You want what's best for us. I thank you so much. God, that makes life a lot easier to go through when we know we can trust you. Uh, but God, I, I do admit, sometimes life is really tough. Uh, and sometimes we lack trust. We lack faith in you. Sometimes our heart leads us astray and, and we follow it. And so we ask for your forgiveness in those times. And we ask that, that you would grow in us, that those times become more and more seldom, that we would follow you and experience your blessing in our lives. God, that we would be a blessing for you. God, you are on the move. I know of two, two baptisms in town today at another church. I thank you for that. I thank you that you are trying to grab people and save people. And Jesus, you made it possible because of your death on the cross. We love you. We will never fully understand what you went through on the cross when you took our sin on your shoulders. But we do know that if we place our faith in you, we receive forgiveness and eternal life. And we thank you for that. And we remember, we will never forget, Jesus, what you have done for us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.